0: Good morning, church family. Let's turn to the word of God now with hunger, shall we? Let's let's look at Second Corinthians three together. I'll be reading this morning verses seven through eleven. Second Corinthians three, seven through eleven. That's my favorite sound, so I'm going to wait till it stops. But if the ministry of death in letters having been engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, which was being brought to an end, how will the ministry of the spirit not be even more in glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had been glorious in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which was being brought to an end was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. May God give us ears to hear the truth of his word.
1: Good morning, Hayden Bible Church. What a gift it is to us to be able to meet together and open the word together. Let's just pray. Father, we're so grateful for this time together. Thank you that we love you. <laughs> Thank you that we love your word. Lord, today we, we get to be together. We get to enjoy the good news of your word, Thank you, Lord. We confess to you, Lord, this morning that uh, without your Holy Spirit, nothing will happen. Without you bringing things and giving things life, Lord, we're bankrupt. We just pray today that you and invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and bring your word to life. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so before we start, I just got to know. How many of you actually read the entire letter to the Hebrews? Anybody? Like two people? One? Oh, there's two over here. Yeah, good. Thank you. You could have also listened to the entire letter to the Hebrews. Um, This morning, I'd like to make a case for you to sincerely study the letter to the Hebrews. That's what the purpose of my message is this morning. Hebrews is a letter about a change of reality. Hebrews is about a change of covenants. Hebrews is a key to our right understanding of God's word for interpreting scripture using scripture. Just for example, it's a key to understanding passages, for instance, like Hagar and Sarah in Genesis. Remember that passage, cast out the bondwoman and her son. And that whole imagery of the bondwoman and the free woman connected even to Galatians 4. Hebrews talks about all that. Or in the passage you just heard from God's word, the Apostle Paul is in 2 Corinthians 3 where he speaks of two ministries. First he mentions the ministry of death. And then the second that you heard about was the ministry of the spirit. In the period between the cross of Christ and the destruction of the temple, there was a massive transformation taking place for for the nation of Israel their old covenant their old whole context of life the life of the bondwoman so to speak was passing away being cast out and Israel's new covenant the the life of the free woman the Jerusalem above the Jerusalem of the spirit promised by God had arrived and in This letter to the Hebrews, likely written somewhere around A.D. 60. We know it was at least before the destruction of the temple in in the city in A.D. 70. The unidentified writer of Hebrews is giving a sort of a sermon. And in the sermon, the Holy Spirit is compelling the recipients of the letter, Jewish believers... Jewish believers who were being hurt, violently persecuted by unbelieving Jewish legalists, people refusing to repent and believe the gospel and clinging to the law and the temple that they could see standing there. So obviously it was still valid. And so it was hard for them to imagine a life of faith. The writer is compelling the recipients of the letter to the Hebrews to stay faithful Stay faithful of it as a child of this free woman, using the Hagar and Sarah imagery again. Stay faithful to the promise of right standing before God by faith in Christ now. Even if it hurts. Even if you get thrown out of the synagogue or the temple. Or fired from your job. Because their old reality was passing away. This whole system of the old Mosaic covenant, after the cross, after the once-for-all sacrifice of the spotless Lamb of God, the old covenant needed to go. Hebrews 8 says it was disappearing. The ministry of condemnation, as Paul just put it, in what Pastor Steve read, was leaving. It had served its purpose. Now the ministry of of the Spirit had come. The ministry of the new and living way was here. The ministry that the entire Old Testament pointed to had finally arrived. The, The writer was saying, don't be tempted to run back to bondage. Stay here. The ministry of death and condemnation, Hebrews says, can't save you. He's, he's saying it wasn't meant for that. The, the ministry had been glorious, Paul says, but now really has no glory at all compared to the glory that now surpasses it. The glory of God now in the face of Jesus Christ. This God calls the ministry of the spirit, the new and living way. Just as a cursory, overview of, uh, a, a cursory overview of Scripture shows us that the Apostle Paul was persecuted badly for preaching this new and living way. For example, in Acts 21, verses 27 through 28, Paul was standing in the temple. He was standing in the temple. Jews from Asia, upon noticing him in the temple, began to throw all the crowd into confusion and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches everywhere, everyone everywhere against our people and the law and this place. Besides, he even, he's even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. A beautiful picture, by the way, of our being grafted in to Israel's new covenant. The text goes on to say that they were seeking to kill Paul. And he was ordered to be taken into custody. In his life under the old covenant, Paul himself, at the time named Paul was, or Saul, was a persecutor of those walking along the new and living way. He was a persecutor of those walking under the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. Earlier in Acts, as the word was spreading and more and more people were turning their hope away from the temple and its temporary sacrifices that were unable to take away sin and and certainly couldn't cleanse your conscience, more and more were trusting the real sacrifice of the Lamb of God. And a man named Stephen, a, a, a man full of grace and power, the text says, by the Spirit of God, he was testifying that the new and living way had come. Because they were natural men and couldn't hear his words that that were of the spirit. The text in Acts 6.10 says they were unable to oppose the wisdom in the spirit by whom he was speaking. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. If you can't see the new and living way, if you can't see the ministry of the Spirit, and your heart is trapped under the bondage of the ministry of condemnation, you can't see. And so they're, they're receiving what's what they call blasphemy. Stephen was preaching the new covenant, the covenant of freedom from bondage and death, the the life based on the promise clear back to Abraham, which we'll talk about, or even clear back to the garden, or even prior to creation, this plan was in place. And ironically, because um, all they heard was that he was against their law and their temple and their Jewish heritage, they killed him. This was dangerous to the Hebrews to believe in Jesus Christ. They couldn't hear with ears of faith. They were blind people leading blind people, and their only hope was this new and living way that the apostles were teaching, and they called blasphemy. Saul later, Paul, heartily approved of killing Stephen. He was totally convinced that that was the right thing to do. And even though the sum total of the, of the Old Testament pointed to this new and living way, this whole new reality or this new creation of God, Saul approved of killing Stephen who was preaching the ministry of the Spirit. Stephen, Stephen said, You men, stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, are always resisting the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. And which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become, you who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not observe it. Their whole law pointed to Christ. But Israel, Romans 9 says, pursuing a law of righteousness did not attain to that law. Why? Because they didn't pursue it by faith. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. They they pursued by works. Have you ever had your mind so convinced that... The one way of looking at something was the only true way. You don't even have to finish that sentence. And then later, almost like someone turned the lights on and you could see that you were humbled in your short-sightedness. Amen. I know I have been. that's the way it is with Scripture, devoid of the Spirit. You can't see until he turns the lights on. And then it's every place. The lights came on for Paul. The Spirit brought him to life and his chains fell off and his heart became free. And all of a sudden, his whole Old Testament wouldn't quit pointing to the promise of this new covenant in Jesus Christ. He could see now. Passages like Abraham and Hagar and Ishmael and Sarah and Isaac wouldn't shut up. All he could see was this hope now. In Galatians 4, he writes about it. He even writes about himself in a sense as a persecutor of those walking along the new and living way. He says to the Galatians, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the servant woman and one by the free woman. But the son of the servant woman had been born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman through the promise. This is the imagery of the Old Testament. He says, this is spoken with allegory or imagery. For these women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children into slavery. She is Hagar. Now, this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, the present at the time of Paul's writing. For she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not give birth. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For nor more numerous are the children of the desolate one than the one who has a husband. He continues and says, And you, brothers, in accordance with Isaac, are children of promise. But at that time, he who was born according to the flesh was persecuting him who was born according to the spirit. So it is now. Hebrews is all about that. So, what does the scripture say? Paul says, Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the servant woman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brothers, we are not children of the servant woman, but of the free woman. The true Israel is the Israel of faith in the promise to Abraham, the Israel of the Spirit. And so just like you can see throughout the New Testament scriptures, the sons of the servant woman, those clinging to the ministry of the condemnation, persecuted the sons of the free, those born again by the Spirit of God. Paul also himself perpetrated and also experienced the the reality of these persecutions. And so the letter to the Hebrews this morning makes the case to stand fast in your faith, no matter what. Do not move away from it. Don't run back to the ministry of death, Hebrews says. The kingdom of God has come now. Stand fast in Christ the King. Even if your life is on the line. What are you what are you resting in this morning? Is your type of Christianity the, the, just a, a mechanical list of moralities that people should or shouldn't do? Or are you alive? Is your life marked by the new and living way, the narrow way? Are you breathing this morning by the Spirit of God now? In my past, I I got kind of a minor, almost insignificant glimpse of what it means to leave the status quo and enter the newness of life. I know many of you have as well. I wasn't raised to be a Christian. I was raised to tell Christians that they were hypocrites and idiots. I always say, Carl Sagan, if you remember the 80s, Carl Sagan was my pastor. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But the Spirit of Christ, the ministry of the Spirit, crossed my pathway. I repented and believed the gospel, and I came to life. And my loved ones, they couldn't see it. And and when I talked of my new heart of wanting to glorify God, they thought I was crazy. They were offended that I was rejecting my upbringing but it was just that I was alive now. I could see in color for the first time. You can imagine in the first century how difficult it would have been to leave the entire environment of your life. Everything revolved around the law and the temple and your people. Can you imagine leaving everything? And you come to understand for the first time what it all signified, all of it. In Hebrews ten seven, the son says, in the scroll of the book, it is written of me. Guys, it all points to him. All of it. And it's a worthy endeavor to spend your life studying to see how it does to his glory. I haven't counted each one myself, but my Logos program identifies well over 200 connections from Hebrews into the Old Testament. But really, the whole letter serves uh, as uh, preaching of the culmination of the taking away of the first, the old Mosaic covenant and of, of Israel, in order to establish the second, the promised new covenant with the house of Israel. The whole letter serves for that the promise where jew first through repentance and faith and now gentiles as well even from Hayden Idaho are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all it turns out those Old Testament things happened literally and also served as prophetic imagery for the reality of God's ultimate plan for the kingdom of his son. As well as final right standing with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, the whole scripture testifies of him in this way. Hebrews shows the superiority of Christ and his new covenant over the administration and the priesthood and the sacrifices of the old. And Hebrews shows how God is fulfilling his mandate to Adam and the ministry of the spirit under the last Adam. Hebrews is a wonderful thing to spend your life studying. It turns out that the framework for this meta-narrative of the Bible is found in his progressive revelation of the coming of his kingdom through his covenants. And if you think about it, you can already see it in your mind. In Genesis, God assigns Adam to being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth with the image of God and having dominion and subduing and reigning like God in his image. Uh, male and female were made into his image and likeness, and living out his pre-fall design for us on this planet to all his glory. But we know that the deceptive works of the devil helped Adam to rebel against God, and death came in. And Adam broke covenant with God by eating to become like God. Though his, in his creaturely design, he was already in his image. Everything changed. God was going to destroy the works of the devil by bringing a second man now, so to speak. Another final Adam, where the first Adam brought condemnation and death, this last Adam would bring everlasting life, destroying the works of the devil. In Genesis 3.15, God says to the serpent, He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head. And you shall bruise him on the heel. Then later, thankfully, in his grace, under the covenant he made with Noah, he promised that he would maintain a world and keep mankind from destroying itself so that the work of redemption might finally be realized, even though the devastating judgment of the flood of God, uh, even through that, hope would be on the way. Hope for those taking shelter in God's ark of safety, Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus says in Hebrews, in the scroll of the book, it is written of me. Later, he covenants with Abraham and says, rescue is coming through you. In you, through your seed, Christ, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's the promise. Children of promise are realizing that promise from scripture. You and I are, as believers, are recipients of that covenant promise. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then even more beautiful imagery of the promise to Abraham, God brought the law, the Mosaic covenant uh, alongside the Abrahamic covenant, so we could see transgression or sin, and the holiness of our great God. And God showed a key to a wonderful covenant truth in Scripture, something that remains to this day. He says, I will be your God, and you will be my people. That's God's desire. And the pathway to this new reality will be based on the blood of a sacrifice. And, And the tabernacle at that time and the temple exemplified that promise clear up to the day that Jesus finally took his seat on his throne. Later in the Davidic covenant, God promised an eternal kingdom of peace and stability ruled by a descendant of David, a coming king sitting on that throne, a kinsman redeemer of his people. David killed his ten thousands, right? But the true king, Christ, would overcome All enemies, including the worst enemy of all, death. Worse than Goliath even. He himself, Jesus the king himself, would actually be resurrection and life. And his kingdom will endure forever. Let's see as the faithful Hebrews finally saw with eyes made useful by the ministry of the Spirit, that Jesus Christ would be the promised seed, kinsman redeemer, and king who would spread the glory of God across the planet as extensive as the waters covering the sea because he came to do his Father's will. In his everlasting kingdom, Jesus has created a Jerusalem for rejoicing and a people for joy, the text says, you, you heard the sound of it this morning as we were singing praises to his name. You and I are so fortunate to be grafted in to these people. So let's be thankful this morning as we consider Hebrews uh, for God's promises to Israel because they're all realized in Jesus Christ. Here's the reality of his kingdom. He says, before you call, he will answer. And while you're still speaking, he will hear. That's the kindness of his kingdom. Let's make sure we see as we approach Hebrews that from the history of Scripture, God purposed from before the foundation of the world a single redemptive plan stretching from the first Adam of the garden clear to its final conclusion in the kingdom of the last Adam, Jesus Christ. And the covenants of Scripture progressively unfold this preordained plan of redemption. Some people call it the covenant of redemption. They all point to this his plan for redemption and relationship and glory where he is our God and we are his people. That's the point. You know what, guys? The covenants weren't the thing. They pointed to the thing. The sacrifices and burnt offerings of the old covenant weren't the thing. They pointed to the thing. The judges and the kings weren't the thing. They only pointed to the thing. They all served as imagery pointing to Christ and his kingdom of glory. At various levels, those things had their glory, like Paul said. But now they really don't have any glory at all because the true glory has come. That's why the Hebrews were being compelled to turn away from the shadow and rest on the substance. Now to Hebrews. That was just the, like Pastor Steve says. (laughs) Start beginning in verse one. No, no, I'm just (laughs) joking. Remember that old covenant, the Mosaic covenant was passing away. Because what it pointed to had in its fullness arrived. But without eyes to see and ears to hear, gifted by the Spirit of God, people under the Old Covenant have kind of a veil over their hearts. But the ones who can see, the ones brought to life under this new ministry of the Spirit of Christ and His kingdom, are faced with a painful reality. Remember, what we what we heard that which is of the flesh persecutes that which is born according to the Spirit. Hagar and Sarah, Ishmael and Isaac. So if you've come to Christ as a first century Jew and you've left that whole system of sacrifices and burnt offerings in the temple and the leadership of those who claim to know things, but they're really full of dead man's bones, you're going to have a problem, right? And it's going to be tempting when you're staring at the face of people you respected who hate you now and plundering your household goods and even crying out for your execution. It's going to be tempting to cut and run back to the shadow, the law and the temple and the nation, instead of standing fast in the substance of Jesus Christ. It's going to be a temptation. The, the Christian Hebrews, the first one saved, needed to learn to walk absolutely and only by faith now. Because the old covenant, the ministry that condemned and pointed to the need for redemption by the spotless sacrifice of God that, that you could see exemplified in all of these sacrificial systems, that, that was passing away, yet the one who could see it The ones who could see it were were painfully being hurt by the ones who couldn't. So the letter to the Hebrews, in its essence, is compelling. uh, It's a compelling sermon to exhort the faithful to stand fast in Christ and don't go back to the slavery of the old. If Hebrews has been a mystery to you in, in the past, that's what Hebrews is about. Stay in Christ. Stay in faith. The glorious has come, and and it wouldn't do you any good to run back because the blood of animal sacrifices can't take away your sin. The only one who can hung on a cross. So stand fast now under the new covenant in Christ's blood. Don't move away. This is what most of the New Testament is talking about, by the way. Hebrews uh, itself compels believers to pay attention. Don't drift away. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Eat the solid food of the kingdom now. Hold fast your confession without wavering. Make sure you're living out the sanctified life. Make sure this is you, that you're a real believer. Hebrews says to the faithful, it says, We are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Because this faith, Hebrews teaches is the assurance the, the, in your faithful heart of things hoped for and conviction moving your feet of things not seeing things not of the temple and the old covenant system things of faith now. Hebrews says all those old things those things of the past they all pointed to the reality that's here now. These, these things were like the, of the past were like baby milk. But now Prime rib has arrived. (laughs) Hebrews says, grow up and eat meat. Leave the elementary principles, those things that merely symbolize the reality. Those things are about to be burned up. Cling solely to Christ now. Quickly in overview, the writer begins his sermon by compelling the Hebrews, first of all, that the Old Testament prophets up until, and including John, the prophets pointed to Christ in their, in their message and in their ministry. God spoke long ago to the fathers through his prophets, his messengers, in all kinds of ways. You can see it throughout the Old Testament. Many of the book titles are called by prophets' names. But now he has spoken in his son, Hebrews says. What those messengers pointed to has arrived now. God never called his messengers his son. He never called them to be worshipped. He never gave them a throne that would last forever. He never told them to sit at his right hand until he makes their enemies a footstool for their feet. As prophets or messengers, literally sent ones, our English translations use angelos or angels, they proclaimed God's word. They proclaimed judgment and the way of salvation. But now, the Son has come. The prophet, the word of God himself, the one Moses spoke about. And now that he's come, we need to sit up straight, Hebrews says, and pay close attention to him. In Matthew, God says, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. Please, this morning, tremble at his word. Take it drop dead seriously. Heed what the son says, what Hebrews is teaching us. Heed what he says. The prophets only pointed to him. He's the reality. Speaking of Moses, faithful in all his house under the covenant at Sinai, Moses was a servant in God's house, but he wasn't a son. Hebrews says Moses was a testimony Foreshadowing the, or he was imagery of those things which were to be spoken later, but Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope. Isn't that beautiful? Like the prophets pointed to Christ, so too Moses pointed to Christ, Hebrews says. Hebrews goes on and speaks of Joshua, the faithful conqueror of the literal physical land. By his walking in faith and trusting God for victory in the face of occupying enemies, Joshua brought the nation into the land of promise. They didn't they, they really did enter into the land flowing with milk and honey, but it really wasn't real rest. Because the true rest in the true land was something greater than that. Hebrews says, if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So, just like the prophets, like Moses, Joshua and his victories only served as imagery for what was real and what would be realized in Christ, the true victor and the true place of rest. Remember, what did Jesus say? I will give you rest. Joshua's victories were only a a dim shadow of the reality because Joshua also pointed to Christ. Only those who are obedient to the call, those who flee the wilderness and cross over into the land of promise, enter the true rest of Christ, entering by faith now that the substance has come and only those will find rest for their souls. How do you know? Hebrews helps us again and says the word of God is living and, and, and active and sharp, able to peer into the deepest recesses of your soul, and it's able to judge the deepest thoughts and intentions of our hearts. In the face of the word of God, the, the sword of God's spirit, your salvation will either be confirmed or your, or your hardness of heart will actually be brought out to the light. It knows you by the Spirit. Your lack of true rest in Christ will betray you. Of course, Hebrews teaches us that the Old Covenant priesthood even pointed to Christ. And the priests of the Mosaic, in the Mosaic Covenant, they offered gifts and sacrifices for sins. Their ministry served to help the Israelites have access to worship God for a time and to maintain a level of rightness before God. The priestly ministry would at least hold God's wrath at bay for a time. But the problem was that the priests were sinful themselves. Plus, there was no propitiation that came out of their ministry. And all their ministry could accomplish was to remind people of their sins year by year. The text says in Hebrews. Besides that, they had to offer sacrifices for their own sins. And also the impurities of the actual tabernacle and temple had to be atoned for. Praise the Lord that the ministry of these priests, the ministry ordained by God himself, by the way, and the tabernacle and temple only served merely as imagery for the true thing that was coming. The great eternal high priest Jesus Christ who is the true temple of the living God. The place of full propitiation Jesus Christ accomplished full appeasement of God's wrath for all who believe, Jew and Gentile. Speaking of the priest, Hebrews also teaches us that Melchizedek pointed to Christ. Melchizedek was a priest of the Most High God, the text says, but not according to the Levitical priesthood in the Old Covenant. All the priests in the Old Covenant died, by the way. But this mysterious Old Testament figure, Melchizedek, whose name means king of righteousness, king of Salem, which literally means king of peace. Hebrews says, who is without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like, or the ESV says, resembling the son of God, he remains a priest continually. Yet... A priest not according to the Mosaic covenant uh, priesthood of Aaron. The priesthood of the old, which is passing away. In fact, Christ was of the tribe of Judah. He was a priest of a different order. A priest forever, the text says, according to the order of Melchizedek. Again, scripture says Melchizedek was a king. A priest king of a different order. Melchizedek pointed to Christ. Hebrews says, For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and for the sins of the people, because this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, But the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever, the text says. By the way, guys, Christ is even superior to Melchizedek. Why? Because he's God's son. and he gained access for worshipers by his own blood and stands eternally as the cornerstone of a new end-time temple not made with hands, not of this creation. The earthly tabernacle and temple and their priesthoods only served as imagery pointing to him and his new covenant, so Hebrews cling to him. He's the mediator of a new covenant based on better promises, Hebrews says. Can you imagine? Hebrews must have been such a huge encouragement to the Jewish believers of the first century. The writer is assuring each of them that it's worthwhile to suffer various trials in their being persecuted for standing fast in Christ because he who promised is faithful. It's all summed up in him. It's all imagery pointing to him. And now that he's here, the old is passing away. All things are new now. As Pastor Steve shared in his message last week regarding building our treasures in heaven, one of the most beautiful truths of scripture is that the reward Jesus and his humanity sought was the reward of the preparation of his bride. His earthly ministry was fraught with sorrows, fraught with hardships and persecutions. The Hebrews were experiencing things like this. Yet he persevered for the joy set before him. For a bride made ready, washed clean, and made alive in the spirit. An inheritance that extends to the very ends of the earth. And your seed, he said to Abraham, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, the text says. So come on. Don't you want to study Hebrews? (laughs) I know the ones that didn't read it or listen to it want to now. As we remember the cross this morning through communion, we remember that our Savior Jesus drank each drop of the condemnation of the ministry of death. The ministry written on tablets of stone. So he could bring each of us who believe into the ministry of the spirit. The new and living way. What had been glorious in this case has no glory. Because of the glory that surpasses it now. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died And that he died for me. The grace of the letter, the the letter of the law, is that it condemns men to death so that by the Spirit, you and I run to Christ for life. The new and living way is the way of the Spirit of God, it's the glorious way. It's the new way of power and affection for obedience. It's the way of slavery to righteousness now, to the glory of God by his spirit in us. Hebrews twelve twenty eight reminds us that since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. As our servers bring us the bread and the cup, let's sing the word to the Lord with grateful hearts.
2: Let's sing together Jesus Messiah. we It
1: just read from hebrews 12 as we approach the table this morning let's take a moment just to humble our hearts before him showing gratitude let's take a moment here to bring our unconfessed sin to him that he'll gladly wash away by the way that's why he came let's bow Father, we are so grateful that you sent your son to destroy the works of the devil. And by his death, burial, and resurrection, Lord, he did just that. He overcame. Thank you that for those of us who have trusted now in Christ are no longer under the condemnation of the the letter. We now have been raised to newness of life under the ministry of the Spirit. Thank you in Christ's name. Amen. The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's close in prayer from Hebrews 13. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, our Lord Jesus, equip you in every good thing to do his will by doing in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.